Welcome to Game of Books Podcast. I'm Kathy in South Dakota. And I'm Christy in South Florida. We're two newbie writers who share our love of food, wine, and mystery through interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors. And our virtual book club. And even our fun writing lessons with writing experts. Join us on today's adventure. Welcome everyone to the GOB Club for Undercard by David Alperton. Yes, this is our second of the series of book club episodes where we invite our listeners to talk directly to the author. And today's author, like we said, is David Alberton. He's born in Durban, South Africa. Um, he immigrated to Toronto, Canada when he was young after witnessing the realities of apartheid firsthand. At Queen's University, while pursuing a film studies major, he enrolled in um, his creative writing uh, courses, and then he went on to the Humber School for Writers Creative Writing, where he received a letter of distinction. Writing is certainly David's first passion, but sports is a pretty close second. (laughs) Um, His day job since graduating university has been as a tennis coach, a profession he's grown to love. Undercard, which is right here, if everyone's watching us on YouTube, (laughs) you'll see everybody's got it, Um, it was released in Canada um, in February, almost a year ago, 2019, or two years ago almost, right, David? Yeah, 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 getting, uh, yeah, getting, year and a half, or whatever, yeah. Months, whatever. <laughs> it's all it's all a blur now, right? Um, but it was released in the U.S. Um, in June of 2020, and it was right away included in Crime Reads' list of the eight debut novels you should read this June, and they were right. Mm-hmm. So, David, we're so happy you're here with us today. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm really happy, and it was such a pleasure meeting you both at Thriller Fest in uh, 2019. So yeah, it's really great to see you again. Yeah, that was fun. That was a fun time. I remember those days when everybody was in the same room without a mask. And (laughs) it was a while back. Yeah, well, this is going to be a lot of fun today, too. I hope. Oh, yeah. I find when I watch movies and stuff, you know, from the past, and people are like hugging and stuff. And you're like, what's (laughs) You know, you're like, stop. No, you can't do that. Yeah. So first off, I guess, before we even get into the discussion of the book, we're going to have to discuss what food and wine we feel goes with this book. Um, so you know, Christy, before we even do that, let's have everybody introduce themselves. Oh, yeah. Okay, let's do that. Okay. okay. So yeah, that would be smart. Amber. Amber, you want to get us started? <laughs> yep. Um, my name is Amber Michael. I'm a kindergarten teacher in Charlotte, North Carolina. And most importantly, I'm an avid reader. So I was thrilled when I accept this invitation to come on here with y'all. I can't wait to discuss this book. I loved it. I actually read it in 24 hours. I kind of saw that it was 24 <laughs> hours time-based. And so I love to do things like that, just kind of put myself into the same time frame. So I did it in 24 hours and it was awesome. I loved it. Oh, wow. Great. <laughs> I mean, that's awesome. You know, I always had an idea that that would be like a fun challenge, like try and read it yeah. according to the time. So, wow. So, wow. Yep. That's really awesome. Really appreciate yeah. it. Yep. And Gordon? Hi, uh, my name is Gordon Vatch. Uh, I'm retired. I've enjoyed the book immensely. I didn't read it in 24 hours. I think I read it more like in maybe 72 hours, <laughs> putting it down so often. And um, and to find out you're a Canadian, which made it good because uh, I'm an ex-Canadian, originally from Montreal, and I've uh, been in the States uh, many, 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 many years. But um, the book was fabulous. I really enjoyed it. 
the characters were amazing. And um, I can't wait to pass it on to, uh, I really should tell them to go buy it, shouldn't I? Yes, I'm gonna have them yeah. all go buy it. <laughs> but it really was fabulous. <laughs> and I'm really very honored to meet you today. So. Oh, well, thanks so much. I really appreciate it, both, both of you. Thank you, I'm gonna go and that's very nice thing. Yes, we're happy you're here, thanks. So David, we, we chose, uh, and now to the most important part, the wine. <laughs> <laughs> um, we chose a, uh, a wine inspired by your book, which was kind of tricky because there wasn't a lot of drinking in there, but um, there was a scene where a character was drinking some pretty decent um, alcohol. Whiskey. <laughs> some whiskey. And uh, so we found- or bourbon that, or something. Yeah, bourbon barrel um, aged Cabernet. And so we thought that'd be perfect. Yes. And so that's what we're drinking. And so, um, for those of you who are trying it, I'll read you the tasting notes and see what you think. And I know Amber. I, I have it, um, you have it here. Amber's having a nice white. I saw. I am. Yep. <laughs> a Moscato. Um, a kosher Merlot, he said. And I've got a Merlot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So this um, Berenger brother, though, is a. The tasting notes is a wine bursting with aromas of ripe blackberries, roasted hazelnuts, and caramel. It has an intense concentration bolstered by Petit Verdot. Um, this full-bodied wine has a creamy mouth feel, feel with ripe tannins and integrated acidity. Um, the lingering notes boast of coconut, violet, and black cherry. Uh, that's exactly what I taste. <laughs> All of it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where the bourbon is, but anyway, that was inspired by David's book. <laughs> it is, it is really kind of good. And I think it does have sort of a liquor kind of bourbon kick to it, sort of. I don't know. Don't you think, Kathy? Yes. <laughs> it's, a very nice, it's a very nice wine. I, I wouldn't drink it and think I'm drinking bourbon by any means, but I'm not a big bourbon. So... <laughs> <laughs> right right they did they did drink a lot of um what were they called um the, the dark and stormy that yeah what's yeah. a dark and stormy yeah. that, i didn't i should have looked that up have you ever I had one remember I, I think i can't remember what it is i think i drank it once and i liked it it's <laughs> in the book <laughs> the money liked it, yeah yeah i didn't do that i did a lot of research for the book that that one aspect <laughs> But it does exist. It is a drink. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I have drunk it in, in the past. Yeah. So David, if I walked into a bar and asked for dark and stormy, they know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, I think so. I can look it up right now if you want. No, 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 no. That's okay. That's okay. Something, it's something. Yeah. It's something. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that that it sounded interesting anyway. And so for the food, um, again, we didn't we didn't have a lot of meals that took right. place either. I mean, this yeah. is, you know, a fast moving so book. Fast piece, they didn't eat, but except for the yeah. beginning, there was a, they had a barbecue. So then we said, okay, oh. let's have some barbecue sliders. That's good. So that's what we chose. And that would be a good thing for a book club, yeah. you know, because you were to get together and chips. I got my chips. That's good. That's good. Cause <laughs> I have to have chips. That's funny. One of the things I wanted was, <laughs> By the end, you felt like these people were just so exhausted. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. 
They're in and like mm-hmm. they had eaten and slept. So yeah, not that much to work with with uh, eating, but uh, but good. They found a way, David. <laughs> they found a way. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so we found a way too. So we we're we've got our food, we've got our wine, and now we're ready to discuss. Okay. Good. Good. And I got. I'm just got some. Uh, Fancy Perrier today. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I figure you'd jump in if you had wine there. Yeah, uh, sorry. Um, <laughs> oh, good. Uh, we didn't. We didn't ask because we didn't want to put but you I on made the a spot fancy or anything. Kind of a cheese board. Oh, oh nice. Oh, very nice. Ooh. Coming over. I'm coming over. Wow. <laughs> that looks delicious. Oh, wow. thank you. That's my favorite meal. Is a little cheese. I know. Board. <laughs> <laughs> that's great oh wow that, that's I, I canadian would, hospitality for you it would that's take us 24 yeah. hours to get there but yeah i know that's what i told gordon i was like david's very nice and so are you gordon i guess it must be that canadian thing but now amber you're nice too don't worry i, think so. I didn't want you all they're very nice <laughs> they, 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 toronto doesn't have as good of a reputation in canada as the rest of <laughs> well you know it's like america everyone uh you know, you know, sort of uh, New York kind of pisses off the rest of them. Oh, right. You know, it's yeah. always the big city, Calgary and Alberta. Everyone in Alberta hates Calgary. You know, oh, really? I lived in oh. Dallas, I'm sorry, in, yeah, in Dallas, Texas for a little bit. Everyone in Texas hates Dallas, you know. Everyone in South Africa hates <laughs> Dallas. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just always the biggest city. Yes. <laughs> That's funny. Mm-hmm. We don't have any of those in South Dakota, but I, th- I imagine that would be what it would be. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, okay. should we get going on some questions? Yeah, let's do. Yeah. All let's right. Do okay, so David, we're going to start with Amber. She came up with this great list of questions, but she's going to start us off with one. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what's your background with boxing and what is the meaning behind undercard, the title? All right. Okay, great question. Okay. <laughs> I shouldn't have eaten right that moment. But... <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> so basically, my dad. I like boxing. I mean, my dad's into, you know, was a, played a lot of sports, loved sports. So one of them was boxing. So even as a kid in South Africa, I remember watching some big fights, the big heavyweight fights. Uh, it was sort of um, Hollyfield and Riddick Bow. I remember that fight, like after Tyson had gone to prison. My first memory was post that, that period. And then, uh, so I was always a fan. And then when we moved to Canada, uh, one of the first things we did, my dad bought a boxing uh bag or a heavy bag you know one of the big punching bags put in the garage so i punched that when i was a kid and then sometimes i would be little bit oh, cool. uh, i had gloves so I'd, I'd organize sort of like we would do little boxing matches in uh friends basements when i was a kid we wouldn't mm-hmm. hit the head we just hit the body but still so yeah. fun and then so and then yeah i just i remained a fan and then i did some for for tennis um just for cross training, I wanted to do some boxing. So I did some boxing training for that. But then, and then also, also I ended up talking to my sister. Um, I was explaining to her just the business of boxing is like the wackiest kind mm-hmm. of pro sport in a way, you know, even more than I'd say like UFC, it's there's like an umbrella kind of organization, but boxing, it's, it's mm-hmm. wild. Like if, um, if a management team, if, if one guy, one fighter's management doesn't like the management of the other fighter, they won't fight like if they can't come to an agreement like i mean so you imagine like say you know like the super bowl like the two you know the afc and nfc champions don't play 
because their agents don't like each other. You know, but that's what boxing is like. <laughs> and then another wow. thing, different fighters assigned to different like um, TV stations. Like, like um, so HBO doesn't do boxing anymore, but, but you know, some fighters are assigned to HBO, some are assigned to Showtime, some are assigned to ESPN, mm -hmm. all their management teams are assigned to that. Uh, now DAZN is a, is a streaming, sports streaming, some signed to that. So then, so for instance, Mayweather Pacquiao, one of the reasons it took so long for the fight to come about is, uh, is, is uh, Pacquiao was signed to HBO, Mayweather was signed to Showtime. So if they fought, those networks had to decide who, who, how they wow. divvy up the money, how they recorded everything. So it wasn't just a negotiation between the fighters, but between two cable channels. So, I mean, can you imagine like Nadal and Federer not playing because just no. these stations don't? So, I mean, it's kind of a, and then there's different um, um, organizations. So there's different belts, you know, so there's no like one main champion. So the whole thing's like so fascinating. And I was telling this to mm -hmm. my sister and she said, you know, you should write a book about boxing. Like you're so interested in that, even though <laughs> that aspect of it doesn't really make it into the book, ironically. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, well, no, I know I'm going to do that. But, but then, it, then uh, yeah, it's sort of that's, it, it sort of was already there. And then when I was creating the story, I really thought all the characters were going to be athletes. I didn't know boxing would be featured, but then once I picked Vegas, it just all kind of came mm -hmm. together. It was just so many ideas. So that's, and then undercard is the term for um, the opening bouts in, in all combat sports. So wrestling, MMA, boxing, um, you call the, the undercard. And that's because, um, if my research is correct, in the old days, they would have an actual card, you know, that they would draw, that they would write, like, the fights mm -hmm. on, you know, and hold it up. And there would be the main card with the main event or the two main fights. And then they'd have a card underneath with all the lead-in fights. Oh. That's why they called it the undercard. Who's fighting on the undercard? So that's where the term originated. And, <laughs> and apparently someone even told me that it's even used sometimes for concerts, for the opening band. So someone was called the undercard. Oh, interesting. So, it's, uh, so, so it, it seemed a perfect title for me because um, it, it's, it's not like so obscure. It's a very evocative word, but mm -hmm. it's not that well-known. Mm -hmm. So it just kind of, I felt it was just right. Yeah. So mm -hmm. you... You named the time, the book Undercard and it stuck. I mean, your publisher didn't want to change it or anything. It, that's no, pretty unusual. No, fortunately, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah, it was funny because I was thinking like, I'm like, I need a title. I was thinking of these very cliche titles like Prize Fighter or Fight Night or, or things like that. But I, just, I knew they were just way too cliche and like being done so much. And mm -hmm. I thought, what's something that like says this guy's an undercard fighter and that, these are people who are almost there, but they're not, you know, that they're undercard, they're not main event. <laughs> I'm like, if only there was a word. <laughs> sum that all up, you know, and <laughs> eventually it clicked, you know. If only there was a word. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, that's funny. Awesome. Uh, okay, so um, I have a question. Um, so did your childhood in South Africa, viewing the realities of apartheid firsthand, have an impact on choosing to write about race relations in Undercard? Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, probably not as directly, maybe. Uh, so basically i always wanted to sort of deal with kind of uh, i don't know substantive issues i guess, guess you could say in 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 my writing but, but within the context of very exciting kind of you know dynamic storytelling so um 
And then, so I had two unpublished books before this one that I, I really worked hard at. And uh, in a way, Undercard kind of took a lot from both those. But in the, the one, uh, but definitely, yeah, like my father was involved in the anti-apartheid struggle. So definitely it was something very much growing. And all my parents' friends were very much uh, involved in things like that. And uh, there, was a, there was a thing came out in the Truth Commission, which is when they went over, uh, like it was sort of like a healing process where they went over all the things that have been, the terrible things that have been done during apartheid in, in the, just to win it after it ended. And came down a list of like sort of enemies that are sort of seen as political enemies of the state, you know, of the apartheid government. And my dad was on it. And all the presidents, Mandela was locked up, but all the presidents other than Mandela was, even the one currently were on it. And uh, a lot of my dad's friends were on it. It's kind of wild, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, so, so, so it was a very kind of, it's funny because, you know, when people think like white South Africans, you know, obviously it's associated with that, but my parents' friends, when I grew up, they were far more progressive than, you know, when we came to, I mean, it was a very progressive group, even, uh, even though they were white. So, it was, so I was around that, as a child of you know and then when i came so it was just always kind of an idea that you know uh you know that you should be looking to you know make sure that this isn't a, an unequal society i suppose you know what i mean right. that i learned very young right. and, but then i'd say in my research for that uh my first unpublished book i did i was reading a lot about sort of uh, the sort of criminal justice and policing basically in south africa and in cape town in particular and and one of the things that's interesting, I think, about what's going on in America and really in the West in general, you know, over the past five years or so, right. is that like, you know, there might not be a precedent for it in, uh, say, America or in the West, but there's a precedent for it in, in sort of global South countries, global South states. So <laughs> a lot of things happening, they've already been happening in other places. It's just kind wow. of <laughs> the West is sort of catching mm -hmm. up. So. So I had done all this research and it can, so it was for the first one, I did a lot of research into South Africa, Kenya, and Congo. And um, <laughs> so it, just, it very much is, you know, as, as sort of the Black Lives Matter movement started, it's very much reminiscent of, you know, and, and the policing, and what's interesting is a lot of the way in which it's policed there in places like Cape Town, they learn from the U.S. U.S. exports a lot of their policies and, and methods and techniques. So, they're trained actually, you know, at conferences, there's world policing conferences, things like that. So it was kind of interesting. So a lot of that sort of hard policing, uh, it's very similar. You know what I mean? Even though wow. in Africa, there's a whole other aspect to it that isn't, you know, in the West or in North America, things like that. But anyway, so, so I definitely wanted to write about that stuff. And then, mm -hmm. And then, uh, yeah, sorry, this is a long way of saying, but, but it, did, it did kind of grow, right? It grow, it, it, it sort of came about quite organically. This was in it, mm -hmm. and, then I, uh, and then I just thought of making Tyron's parents activists when I was building the characters. I wanted his parents to be activists. And, uh, and then I had this idea already, and then the Black Lives Matter movement sprang up. And, I know, and that's amazing. That Tyron's whole tension, mm -hmm. central personal tension would be, does he follow in his parents' footsteps, or does he just kind of live his own life? And then mm -hmm. this, you know, incredible activist movement emerges. And I just thought I had to include it. So it was kind of really came together. And then I did a lot of research on, on you know, that in, in America specifically in regards to that issue. But uh, so it really came about over a long period of time. So, Right. And then now look at the world now. I mean, it's like <laughs> so 
You wrote it a few years ago, but now it's like such in the forefront. It's amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of amazing yeah. how it all kind I of powerful yeah, predictions, it seems like. Yeah. Often. I mean, just studying, I'm sure, but yeah. So now we have a question from Gordon. Yes. <laughs> David, uh, we see a strong loyalty between this group of friends. They go through a series of traumatic events, but keep this loyalty to what they were when they were young. Where did you get this idea? And do you have a similar group of friends in your life? <laughs> well, interesting question. That's very good. Yeah, I'd say, uh, well, firstly, again, it's actually, that's another thread that sort of I got from my first unpublished work was I sort of touched on that, of this, um, these two friends who are very close and went through a lot of like, you know, very, very, you know, high stress, sort of dangerous experiences. And then that there were some kind of tensions between them. Uh, but I didn't really uh, go into it far enough, I felt. And I just thought that was a really interesting kind of um, dynamic to focus on. So, so that was my original idea to focus on that of, of, of really people who had been close and now um, you know, it's, uh, you know, some serious tensions. <laughs> and then now all the, my idea was that all, everyone, their personal goal would conflict with each other's personal right, goal. Right. That was, so it's kind of mm-hmm. like trying to weave that together. So, uh, did a good job of that. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And then, and I didn't know how they were going to navigate it. I just, you know, I just wanted to kind of put the ingredients in and then see where it went. So, and then, yeah, I'd say, yeah, I got some friends, uh, from, yeah, way back. I've, I've sort of, you know, like I said, I've spent quite a lot of time in the States. I live in South Africa, uh, live in Canada, moved around a bit. So I've had sort of friends from, from all over from, and, you know, sports, um, you know, writing, coaching, like lots of different airways. So, yeah, I guess, yeah, you have a lot of relationships. You, <laughs> you kind of draw some of them, things right. like that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you, I don't want to. You should get them all. Head. You should get them all together. It'd be very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's not a good precedent all right amber you want to answer a question yes uh moves really quickly which i read it the same amount of time that the book takes um but what made you want to do that time frame what made you want to do 24 hours yeah well great question yeah so again like i was so happy with undercard i had like a million ideas like my whole life like i've been writing stories since i was a child and i always you know and and a lot of ideas lingered with me you know throughout and uh one of them was i I love stories that take place in 24 hours you know like i just uh, Mm -hmm. i always loved it in books and film and i always wanted to try it and then when i realized like the two set pieces of the story were going to be this fight and this protest and fights are generally Saturday night and protests are generally in the morning. Mm-hmm. I mean, generally on Sunday morning, but you know, I just, to make, I figured I could have a fight and then a protest, and then I could do it over noon to noon, as opposed to, um, um, you know, dawn, uh, sorry, midnight to midnight. But uh, so, mm-hmm. so as soon as I saw that I had the opportunity, I'm like, you gotta go for it. And uh, yeah, yeah. So, together, I was really happy. <laughs> cool. mm-hmm. Let's see. All right. So, yeah, Gordon, you have another question? Yes. Uh, The way you left your characters in the novel, one in particular, but we won't give that away, makes me wonder about a a sequel. Is there one in the works, young man? Mm. Uh, Not currently. Not currently. 
I got some ideas maybe one day, but I'm working on sort of a very different sort of standalone novel right now. But um, I was thinking if it becomes a TV show, you know, then there's some room. Right. Oh, yeah. I could see that. You know, after the first season to, you know, do their own thing. Do you, so, you do you have it? Is it optioned for a TV show? Yeah, it's, it's optioned actually. And it, it's moved several steps along. <laughs> it's moved several steps along. They got some funding for the screenwriter to write the script. So um, I feel like it's like maybe one step away, although who knows if it gets to that step. But I mean, it, it, it's it's gone many steps. There's like two production teams attached. So anyway, hopefully, yeah. But, oh, that's very exciting. That's, I, yeah, that's amazing. Know. Hey, hey, David, a question for you. So who would who would play Antoine in a movie? <laughs> Good question. Yeah. So I'll start by saying I don't think I'll have any say in it. <laughs> right. Sometimes <laughs> when you read these writers, they're like picking directors, they're picking this, that. I'm like, well, I'm, you know, I, I don't know how they got in that position, but. Uh, right, right. But, um, I was thinking, I think Antoine would be cool if it's like an unknown actor for him and maybe you have everyone else mm -hmm. kind of more famous. But him, sort of the unknown, I think that would kind of go with his character. Like, you'd never seen that actor before, and then it could yeah. be a career, career launch. There you go. <laughs> so maybe maybe one of those uh, producers is listening. And <laughs> we have ideas about casting, just saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. Okay, so, David, my my question is, I have a, I have a few levels of my questions. It's a little <laughs> okay, but I'm what has been the best part of writing Undercard and getting it published and getting to the point where you're at, and what's been the most challenging? Mm, well, that's, that's a really good question. Uh, you better <laughs> fill your mouth before you answer it. <laughs> I suppose, I mean, probably the best is just like, now, like, you know, just knowing that you are published now mm -hmm. and you kind of like, you've had this goal for a very long time. You've been working for so long. Um, you know, just to re realize that I think is probably the best. I mean, there's been so many cool things that have happened. I mean, you, you know, this is cool. You know, I love doing all this stuff, but I think just like, yeah, you know, just, just having a goal, you're really your entire life. Right. And then having it, it, it that, that was really uh, special. And, and it also it gave me a huge amount of confidence that, you know, when you, because it was a long time and I got rejected a lot. And like I said, too, and I really tried hard. It's not like I, I you know, it was half-hearted attempts. And um, so it just gives you a lot of confidence that like, you know, that, it, you know, sort of anything you put your mind to and put a lot of effort in, you know, you will succeed. You know what I mean? Um, you know, no matter how long it takes or whatever the setback. So I'd say that's probably the best, even though there's been a lot of just like really cool experiences. You know what I mean? And then the most challenging, I'd say, I don't know, it's kind of, there's been a lot of challenging things. You know, one thing right before the book came out, um, or a couple of months, I met, my publisher took me to an event, an author event, and I met, there was a German writer, and they had the rights to her book in Canada. So anyway, I met her, she was very nice, and she had, a, you know, several books and was doing well. And she said, you know, just, uh, you know, before the launch, you're going to be so nervous and stressed out, like things can go wrong, but like, you know, nothing really can go wrong. So, you know, like, just don't worry. <laughs> Not this spooky one, but a million things can go wrong. <laughs> I mean, and, um, 
I guess also, you know, a lot of people don't get a second book or, or um, I think that maybe the realization of that, you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like there's this feeling like, okay, I made it now. I guess my first part of the answer, you know, you have this feeling like I made it now, I'm in, you know, I'm in. And then you realize, you know, like some people, they don't get a second book or if they get a second, they don't get a third or maybe they, they end up going with a smaller publisher or, you know, it just doesn't go the way they they hope and, and there's nothing guaranteed right yeah, there's nothing guaranteed exactly and it's not like it's it's necessarily just this upwards tra trajectory now and uh you know to sell books is tough to to um to uh promote is tough to especially <laughs> when there's a pandemic i know right yeah. <laughs> oh, there's so there's it, it's kind of like i the way i see it is like to get published is like climbing a mountain and then once you're publish it's like to be a successful you know financially successful or just you know stable you know what i mean to to ensure that you have a career as a writer it's like climbing another mountain you know so i suppose <laughs> that's that's what's hard <laughs> right i you know david this has been so fun to talk to you i i i want to i just want to ask amber if she'll ask the other question she had for you about what writers um we didn't get yes who yeah who inspires you like who is your favorite writer or what made you want to become a writer yeah well thank you great question yeah well i'll start i'll say mm -hmm. my mom uh <laughs> this is an easy answer but <laughs> my mom she showed me when i was when i was six years old she showed me stories of her writing when she was five years old uh, like she found mm -hmm. some old stories that she wrote in a notebook and she showed them to me and i was like you mean I could have been writing stories the last year and no one told me? Ever since then. And um, but like my my family, you know, my my parents didn't really censor me and my sister much in terms of movies and things like that and, and books. Like they showed me Jaws when I was five years old. And we <laughs> lived in the city on the ocean where there were shark attacks. <laughs> <laughs> so I had like a phobia and water and everything was like swimming in Durban and uh, so I was terrified of the ocean for a long time and uh, I mean I still swam uh, th that was they should have censored me there yeah <laughs> but, so, so it was very much I always wanted to but then in terms of books I loved Tolkien as a kid I loved Lord of the Rings Hobbit Lord of the Rings that was big and then when I moved to Canada kids introduced me to Michael Crichton. So for that sort of fast paced kind of thriller feel, mm -hmm. Crichton was, uh, you know, I'd say, even though he's sci-fi, I wanted to have sort of more kind of, yeah, maybe social issues, you know, the way he's got sort of tech and science mm -hmm. issues, mm -hmm. but then that, that mm -hmm. real, that, you know, he, and he does, you know, how I did um, like the timestamps. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Chapter sort of correlates to the hour of the day. Mm -hmm. he did that very much like he obviously had a lot of fun and he did a lot of care with how he set up his chapters and his scenes you know and they're different in different novels mm -hmm. and uh i love that part of of his writing you know like that he played with the sort of um for format um mm -hmm. of it so that was a huge influence and then yeah i mean many many since then but i'd say those two kind of uh, sort of really developed my desire to to write sort of entertaining adventurous adventurous stuff yeah i can't wait to tell my kindergartners that like i teach five and six year olds so to tell them that an author i talked to was inspired when he was five and six like that's really cool i can't wait to share them with that <laughs> oh that's, that's perfect oh, that's great yeah I'm yeah good. yeah i'm glad so you're telling david that's he awesome. got an a on his answer 
yeah. <laughs> and I'm also reading um, the Lord of the Rings right now. So that's so oh, funny that you said oh. that as well. That's, wow, that's yeah. A, okay. That's so cool. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Well, David, thank you so much. Such a blast. We can't thank you enough for doing this. Oh, my pleasure. We'll put all the links up on um, our website about any of the food and wine and and where to get the book and where to get the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it's probably coming to a screen near you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And and David's website is really, you know, you can go on his website and see all kinds of stuff. Um, Yes. You get to tell them what the website is. Oh, thank you. Okay, so it's my name, <laughs> David Alvitain.com. You know, um, you know, just. Uh, we yeah. were gonna see how you pronounced it. We were gonna put you on the spot. Yeah, I know. I felt like how do I pronounce it now? <laughs> it was a Alvitain.com. Uh, do I? Should I spell it? No, it'll be. It'll be on our, it'll be on our um, show notes. Take a picture of it. We'll put it all over the place. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, but thanks so much. It's just uh, wonderful to meet you, Gordon. Thank you. uh, Thank you for reading it and for being here. It was wonderful. Hey, pleasure. Hey, listen, do you you say A very often? (laughs) I'm not sure. You want to know something? Can I tell a quick story? Funny story? I was in New York City way back. I was, uh, I just finished university. And uh, I was with some friends there, and one of my buddies went to Columbia, so we, uh, we were hanging out with him, and we went to a comedy club. And, and uh, I was talking, and then there were some guys, I think they were Swedish or something, they were Scandinavian, you know, tourists. And, and then they said, are you guys Canadian? And we said, yeah, but I got a South African accent, you know, somewhat South African accent. And, right, right. And then they said to me, are you guys Canadian? And, I, and I'm like, yeah, how could you tell? Because you say, hey. I was like, oh. <laughs> so apparently he does yeah you know i i can i can't seem to get get rid of the house out and about oh, no? no matter what i do it's it's there i mean i you know i've been in the states since 1965 oh. and it's as soon as i say that oh you're from canada i see yeah, i'm you know wow. <laughs> even though i even though i now say huh, instead of a but the house house and about it's 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 always it'll always be with me yeah. that's, anyway that's, that's awesome funny. All right. Well, I think all we have left is a toast to a David toast. and Undercard and Amber and Gordon. Thanks, you guys. Cheers. Hey, our pleasure, Cheers. David. Good luck. Cheers. Good luck at all you do, David. <laughs> yeah, thanks so much, guys. And love to see you, Christine, Kathy. Thanks so much for having me. I really thanks, appreciate David. it. Thanks. Thanks for joining us on today's adventure. Subscribe to our podcast on our website, GameOfBooksPodcast.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you liked what you heard, you can give us a five-star rating or review. You can also subscribe on YouTube, where you can watch and listen. On GameOfBooksPodcast.com, you can find all the information about what we talked about on this episode. And you can sign up for our newsletter or enter our fun contests and giveaways. We also post our stories and links on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Hope to see you there. I can guarantee you we had fun today. And we hope you did too. Cheers. Cheers.